0: For our first message today, we have a split sermon from Mr. Art Williams entitled, The Beginning and a New Beginning, Part Two. Mr. Williams. In Part One, we started with Adam and Eve. Here we go. In part one, we started with Adam and Eve in the garden with the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, both freely offered. We went on and we reviewed the blessing of Abraham and the promise made to him that was to be conveyed by physical blessing to the promised descendants. We went through the failure of the kingdoms of Israel and Judah and a partial fulfillment of the re-establishment in the land today. Today, we'll go through the spiritual fulfillment of Abraham's promise. We'll go through the fulfilled physical blessings. We'll review God's purpose and what it means to us and some of the risks that uh, we may face. In 1 Corinthians 15.45, and I'm in the New King James, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. And this is referencing back to, we'll see here in a little bit, an Old Testament scripture. But for now, let's go on to Galatians 3.8 and read, And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel unto Abraham, saying, in thee shall all nations be blessed. And continuing in Galatians 3.16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he said not, and to seeds as of many, but as, as of one, and to thy seed which is Christ. Here we see that the promise that we read last time that appeared just to be a physical promise has a spiritual application and that the seed being re- referenced is Christ. So let's go back and review that scripture in Genesis 22:18. 18. Genesis 22:18. 18. And in your seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. And going back to Galatians 3:2. Paul says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? The blessing of Abraham is conveyed to the descendants by promise and not by law. We believe that Jesus is the son of God, our redeemer, and that does not come by law keeping, covenant, or contract. We do not have to qualify, jump through hoops, pay our dues or, to come to Christ. We count the cost, repent, get baptized, have hands laid upon us that we may receive the Holy Spirit. Then we keep the commands and words of Jesus. In continuing in Galatians 3.17, and this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, and he's talking about the law that was given to ancient Israel He's talking about the promise that was given to Abraham before that. and this I say that the law which was 430 years later cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. The point is that the law given to ancient Israel does not negate the promise that was made to Abraham which was made without the contract that was subsequently given to Israel. In Galatians 3.18 For if the inheritance is of the law, then it is no longer of promise. But but God gave it to Abraham by promise. When my mom died, my sister and I inherited her, her property. And we received it freely. There was no stipulation in her will that said, if my son does not become a priest, he can't inherit anything. If my son is not a millionaire, and have his own corporation, um, he cannot inherit anything. If my, if my daughter is not a registered uh, nurse in the medical field, she cannot inherit anything. There are no hoops to jump through. It's by promise, because my mom said my son and my daughter will receive my earthly goods. There are no hoops, no dues, no requirements, no preconditions. This is just as it was in the original garden with Adam and Eve before the tree of life. The tree of life was freely given. They had free access to it. Access to Jesus is freely given also. And it's life eternal. is freely given through that access to Christ. We know that salvation was first offered to the Jews. I'm not going to turn to it, but we can go there in Romans 1.16. It says to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so Jesus completed his ministry. The spiritual blessing was made available first to the Jews and later to all men. However, the implementation of the physical blessings was to come much later. And now we'll shift to the physical blessings. We just saw that Abraham's blessing was dual, spiritually and physically. And it was conveyed by promise, not by the law. There is no, if you do this, then I will do that. There's no contract, no qualifications to receive the continued blessing. There's nothing that says, if you fail to avoid obey my voice, you fill in the blank, you lose the blessing. It doesn't matter whether you're good, bad, Righteous or unrighteous. If we turn and look to history, and we're going to start about, say, in the 1400s, historians refer to the period from 1400 to 1700 and something, closer to 1800, as the age of exploration. And if we go back, and you can do this on the internet, and look what countries did the bulk of the exploration in the ancient world. And between 1400 and and through the 1500s, if you look through the list of all the explorations, all the colonies that were established, it was Spain, 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 Portugal, 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 England, France, Spain, 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 Portugal, Portugal, England, France. A funny thing happens, though. When you get to 1600, it reverses. You start in the 1600s, it's England, 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 Holland, England, 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 Spain, Portugal, England, 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 Dutch, Holland. You know, that's the way it goes. There's a dramatic shift starting in the 1600s, which was also a significant time because that's when Jamestown was established and so was Roanoke, the, the disappearing colony of Roanoke. But I'm sure you all are aware of that. But other significant events that happened right about that time, the printing press, was invented by Gutenberg in 1436, and 20 years later, in 1456, he printed his first Bible. I can't imagine in 20 years he printed his first Bible. I, I would be working on that in 100 years. I mean, <laughs> when you look at the magnitude of the task. Um, of course, then we have the discovery of the New World, traditionally by Columbus, yes, or others. We have all the Spanish colonies in the 1500s, and of course, Sir Francis Drake comes on the scene in 1579 and says, I don't like you you Spanish guys out here doing the high-sea thing. We're going to start taking you out, guys. Then Jamestown in 1607 by the British. The King James Bible, 1611. All culminating in 13 colonies, the majority of which were founded by investment adventures, if you will, funded by the crown, English and Dutch primarily. Twelve of the 13... English and Dutch. one was Spanish. Ultimately these 13 colonies became the building blocks of this nation. And the interesting thing about it is, remember the promises are given the blessing is given by a promise not by law. But the people that came here believed in the same God as Abraham did. And additionally they accepted the spiritual blessing of Jesus Christ, and they believed that he was their redeemer. Regardless of whether their theology is accurate or not, they still had that belief, and so they had Christian ethics and Christian values. And so there was a a convergence of the two at that time. Over here on the wall, we have a, a chart of the genealogy of the British royalty, and I happen to have a an additional copy, I didn't look to see if they're both the same. The one that I have is a 1977 rendition, so it's not up to date now. But when you look through this this genealogy of the Royal House of Great Britain, you find some very interesting names. Now, I didn't go through uh, the breach birth back in Genesis 38 last time. But if you go to this chart, you can see the healing of that breach birth. It occurred over in in the British Isles. You can, you, you can trace the, the king's back, and you see Jeremiah on the chart. You can see David and Judah. You see the Pharaohs and the Zerah line of the Breach birth. Um, you can trace the, uh, the, I think it was Mr. Gregory mentioned the overturn, 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 the Emerald Isle down to the British Isles. Um, and you can see some very fam- the names of some very famous people on the chart, Charles Mantel, Charlemagne are both on here. Um, there are a list of, because of intermarriage, kings from Hungary, kings from Spain, kings from Russia are all uh, integrated on this chart because of intermarrying. And like I said, there's the same similar chart, if not the same, is over here on the wall. You can look at that, and you can see uh, God's hand in following through on these promises that were given. Both the physical blessings and the spiritual blessings fit into his purpose. And they will continue until such a time as he decides to end it. One reason he might decide to end it is because the world will get so bad it's no longer profitable to continue. There's no more converts to be made through the process of evangelizing. It's only by catastrophic events that the remaining people will listen. God's goal and purpose is to establish his spiritual kingdom here on earth. And I think we all are well aware of those scriptures. Um, Back in, I'm not going to turn there, but Revelation 21 and 22. We see spiritual Jerusalem coming down to the earth. A foundation with the names of the 12 apostles on it. Well, to accomplish this goal, there are several objectives. Obviously, there are many objectives. I'm only going to go through a few of them. Excuse me. First, the witness to the world, the Great Commission. We find that back in Matthew 24. I'm not going to turn there. You all have that well memorized, I'm sure. Matthew 24, verse 14. Witness to the world, the Great Commission, make converts of whosoever will. And then once being made a convert, of course, our responsibility is to follow after him. And part of that commission also, First 1 Timothy 1.15, is to save sinners. And we can get an additional thumbnail outline or perhaps overview for preparation of Christ's return at various places throughout the scripture. You can find them in Isaiah, Daniel, Zechariah, and Revelation for just a few. And following the preparation and the cataclysmic events and the last possible converts are made then Jesus' reign is established on the earth for 1,000 years. And we can find that in Revelation 20, verse 6. And of course, along with this, there's a real establishment of physical Israel in the, in the land. Now, there's a guiding principle under which this operation will be carried out. And that guiding principle is found in 2 Peter 3, 9. And it will explain, perhaps, to some degree, why there is some variation in the timeline. For the Lord is not, is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish. And that's the key that I want to focus in on. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And so if he can save someone and so that they don't perish, he's going to extend that time, and that will maximize the return By implementing these objectives, most of the people that have ever lived live now. If you go back, you can go on the internet and you can do a search for world population uh, timeline or something like that. And you can get a graph and it'll show. I have a graph here. You probably can't see it. I can give it to, uh, to Brian to put up on the screen. But you can see basically what it looks like. There's a gradual increase up till about 1800. About 1800, it starts to increase at a linear rate. And then after 1940, it's no longer linear. It's going up there. So there are more people now on the earth that need witnessing to than ever before. And I suspect this nation, regardless of what their religion is, is is a, a very strong contributor to getting that task done. There's a church down in Georgia, a large church, 35,000 members. And they undertook the task. They wanted to put the New Testament in 100 different dialects, small dialects that you found over in, in Africa or in India, in these countries. And they wanted to put it since it's a threat over there, if you're carrying around a Bible, that's to be somewhat, uh, should we say, sneaky, or that's not stealthy about it, stealthy about it. We'll put it on an iPod or an iPad, whatever, whichever it is, iPod, iPad. You're not looking at a technique here. So that's what they did, and they went over there, and they got, they brought people back to this country that spoke that dialect and spoke English. And they took a couple years translating the New Testament into their dialect and putting it on iPads and making it available for these people. So they can walk around. Nobody even knows they have the Bible. And they're safe. I thought that was kind of a cool idea. That's kind of neat. But we have way signs that tell us where we're at and how close we're getting to um, him completing the work that he has started. If we go to 2 Timothy 3.1, 2 Timothy 3.1, this you know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. And I probably don't have to read any further than that, But you know it already, you probably could quote it for me. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that do good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God. And here's a good one. Having a form of godliness. But denying the power thereof, I've got an article here. Came out of the Tulsa World by the religious writer, and he was interviewing John B. John M. Buchanan about a lecture that he was, he has had already given now. But he makes a statement in the in the interview here that he said. He says he agrees with a Catholic Catholic theologian who says there will be no world peace until there is peace among religions. And that will not happen until there is a dialogue between religions. Interfaith relations cannot be based on talks whose purpose is to convince others that I am right and you are wrong. People of different faiths who seek to find common ground often find things that they share. Well, I want to inject just an observation or perhaps a personal opinion at this point. I'm a Christian, and I live in peace. I do not make any explosive devices. I don't blow up people. I don't shoot people. And most of the Islamic people that I know don't make bombs, and they don't shoot people and blow up people. Neither do the Jewish people that I know. So what are we going to talk about? We are already the peaceful ones. Are you going to go and talk to the radicals? Do you think they're going to listen to you? I mean, you can try. But I don't understand what you're going to obtain by having dialogue between religions if everybody already is peaceful and agrees to peacefully live together and to coexist. What can be accomplished? Apparently he thinks something can be. To me, it's a straw man, because you have to address those that are the rebels, those that are doing these things. And if you try to talk to them, they want to have their religion, they want to have their state, they want to enforce their religion on others. So that might be a form of religion but denying the power thereof because the real source of peace is having the Holy Spirit of God in you and a change of values and a change of the heart. And so you can talk all you want. We talked a lot with Adolf Hitler. I'll get off my soapbox and my personal opinion. Second Thessalonians 2, 3 Let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed the son of perdition. And going on to verse 7, it says, For the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. I want to uh, point out something here with this pronoun, he. The phrase in the scripture where it says, Only he who now okay if you look that up in strongs you'll find it strongs number 737 which means just now this moment now at this time at this very time this moment there is no pronoun mentioned in there okay so this this pronoun he we'll go back and look at that in a minute because it, the same thing occurs again where in the phrase he be taken Here again, this is Strong's numbers, number 1096. To become, to come into existence, receive being, to come to pass, to happen, events of men appearing in public, to be made, to be finished. Here again, there is no gender mentioned in that phrase. So this verse might be better rendered something like, for the mystery of iniquity does already work. Only it who now lets it will let until it be taken out of the way. It does it, by having the pronoun he in there implies it's a person. When it really scripturally it doesn't imply that. It could be something else. It could be a political decision or some other decision that comes along doesn't have to be an individual that is taken out of the way or removed from power or what have you. There's an interesting phrase also as we go along and look at signs of completing this work. We may not think of it this way but in the Philadelphia church (coughs) there's a statement that says to them it's in Revelation 3.9. Revelation 3.9. There's a phrase in there that says, hate those that say they are Jews and are not. This statement, I think, gives us a certain glimpse into the aspect of society during the days of the Philadelphia church. Because the Philadelphia church identifies who these people are that claim to be Jews and are not. I'm not sure exactly how you identify them. I'm, I'm not aware that this situation currently exists. Maybe it doesn't. I'm just in the dark. But when people claim to be something, it's because there's some value, there's some worth, there's some benefit to do it. You don't go out there and claim to be something that is going to be detested and hated in society. So there's something here that's going to happen that is going to make it socially popular, popular in society. In, in what societies, in what countries, to what degree it's, it, it's going to have a saturation? I have no idea. Maybe some of you do, but I don't. But it's, an, it's just an observation that there's going to be people that are claiming to be Jews, and they're not. And the Philadelphia church will know it. And of course, the obvious signs that will come are the two witnesses in the temple being constructed and the animal sacrifices that will be implemented. Now, there, Alifa found a, a news item that is worthy to mention here. Uh, and it, it's hard to find on the internet, but it is there. And this goes back, I believe, to last September or October. The decision was made by the Israeli government to allocate an equivalent of $29 billion to support farmers that allow their land to rest every seven years. 80% of Israel, I think it is, doesn't even keep the Sabbath. They're not real religious. But here the government is making uh, this decision. It was passed by the Knesset Act late last year. This could be the first step in them returning to their old covenant religion in a significant and meaningful manner. We know how bad it will get. We know that Jesus says in Matthew 24:22, no flesh will be saved alive. Why will God allow it to become that bad? We covered it before. To maximize those that can be saved and not perish. And some men will stubbornly resist God and his way to the... Even to the degree of hating him, some will be destroyed, and others, under the stress of the extreme events, will repent. The church, uh, the last sequence in the church, of course, as we know, is the Laodicean era. era. We find that in Revelation 3.15. The false religion that's going to come about at the end time is going to be very cleverly disguised we're warned about that in Matthew 24. The first thing Jesus says is, don't be deceived. They ask him, what's the sign of your coming? He says, let no man deceive you. He goes on to mention either being deceived or being, or having false teachers. Three times for each of those, a total of six, in the first, I don't know, 30, chat, 30 verses or so he says in Matthew 24:24, 24, 24, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets and show great signs and wonders, in so that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now, this is another interesting scripture. The word very is not an adjective or an adverb here. It is actually is a conjunction, if you look it up in Strong's. I didn't write down the number for that. I apologize to you for that. It would therefore appear that the term very elect does not identify a special group called the very elect, which is superior to just the elect. Now, maybe some of you have heard messages like that, that there's the elect, and then there's the very elect, and the very elect can't be deceived because this verse says that. It doesn't really say that. Um, If we go to the ESV, it's a little more clear. False Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Um, and then in the very next verse, Jesus gives a warning. He says, behold, I have told you before. The, stress, the, the stressing of that point would imply that, yes, even we can be deceived at the end time. He goes on to say in verse 26, Wherefore, if they say unto you, Behold, he is in the, sit- in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he is in the secret chambers. Believe it not. If we are deceived, it'll be because of our special, spiritual condition and who we listen to. Just as Eve listened to the wrong source and believed it. And I say Eve, not because I'm looking down on women, but if you go to 1 Timothy 2.14, it says the woman had the transgression. It's an interesting little study. I'll leave you to do that on your own. The same concepts of, of deceit will be reapplied. In Matthew 25, we have a, a parable of the sheeps and the goats. And when the Son of Man shall come, he separate the sheeps and the goat. he put some on his right hand. Some of them is left. And we know the story, I think. He goes through and he says, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was a stranger. You took me in. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was hungry. You gave me meat. I was in prison. You came to see me. And the righteous will say unto him, when did we see you hungry or fed you or th- thirsty or gave you drink or saw you as a stranger or naked or needing clothing when you were sick or in prison? And the king shall answer them and say, unto me, Verily well I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. The question that needs to be answered is Who's my brethren? Jesus answers that question in Matthew twenty, verse fifty. For whosoever shall do the will of my father which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Then say unto them on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, most people think you're going to go in the lake of fire for not being religious. Well, you know, what's being religious? Here we see helping people meet their needs. Failure to do so is critical. Matthew 10 33 but whosoever shall deny me before men him will I also deny before my father which is in heaven in 2 Timothy two twelve, if we endure we will also reign with him if we deny him he will also deny us in conclusion access to the tree of life was freely given to Adam and Eve access to the spiritual blessing Jesus Christ is freely given by promise first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, all of mankind. In both cases, men and women are given the choice. Adam and Eve, on a quest for knowledge, and under the influence of a liar, made the wrong choice. Believers today are at risk by the same method. Quest for knowledge. A quest for knowledge. And of course, the same liar is operating The physical blessings, they were conveyed by promise to the specified descendants without covenant or contract. So this is different from ancient Israel when a national covenant is made between Israel and God. Again, as I said earlier, there are no preconditions, qualifications, no hoops. The blessings were conveyed physically because God said he would do it and he promised it and he said he would do it. And he did it. If an individual accepts Jesus Christ as his savior, Jesus' redemptive sacrifice, Jesus as his personal king and ruler, repents, gets baptized, has hands laid upon him, receives the Holy Spirit, then one becomes heir to the spiritual fulfillment of the promises and enters a covenant with Jesus Christ and out of love for him, obeys his commandments and keeps his words. For those that endure, keep the faith, don't deny Christ, The kingdom and all eternity is theirs.